Just a quick little announcement here to go at the start of the show. As you may well know at this point, uh, D-Geeks and also Mr. Couples Extend is going on hiatus until around about December and January. And by that I mean we're not going to be posting any more episodes or making any more episodes until December where we do a Christmas special for this podcast, D-Geeks. And then from there on out we won't be doing anything until around about January of 2018. Uh, the reason being is that we're fucking exhausted and we need a break, etc, etc, etc. You've all heard it by now. The other thing I have to mention is that when we recorded this, uh, before we started, Mark messed with the setting on the microphone. He thought it was on the wrong setting and he was going to set it on the bi-directional mode of the Yeti mic that we use. Unfortunately, he set it to stereo mode, which actually cancels out pretty much most of the gain for the back part of the microphone. So for pretty much the entire duration of this episode, I'm going to be sounding a lot more distant and pretty much sounding as if I'm not actually in front of the microphone. But trust me, I was in front of the microphone for the entire time. It's just Mark fucked it. I'm sorry that that's going to be the quality of the audio for the pretty much final episode of the show here for, uh, well, until December, but there's not really much I can do. I've tried to apply some game where I can to where I sound a little bit too quiet and stuff like that, but other than that, there isn't really much I can do to it. So I'm very sorry about that, but all future episodes should be in the know for, like, what correct settings are and stuff like that. So, yeah, without further ado, here comes the final episode of Season 1 of Deep Geeks. We are the D-Geeks. I'm Mark. I'm Avery. Hello. And it is still Halloween. Woo. Yeah, I mean, if you are a new listener or whatever, and you're like, oh, still Halloween? What are you on about? It's only one day. Well, welcome to the internet, my friend, where Halloween lasts an entire fucking month. It's Halloween forever. I wish it wasn't. We're going to do our traditional um, Halloween act as it were (laughs) we did that right this is something that you're not going to get unless you listen to our very first podcast like what i like the train wreck that that is uh when we did a halloween episode for that we had a variety of halloween themed treats and we taste tested them and uh seed how they uh kind of held up now rather than just going with the default kind of trick-or-treat candy type things we've gone specifically for the confectionery that is Halloween themed. Yeah, specifically themed. Like last year we had this kind of uh, kind of small cake bar that was just chocolate and lime flavoured, but the pun was in the names like chocolates and slimes, like, oh wow, okay. And they were quite nice, but <laughs> apart from that, um yeah. So, I think you're over explaining it. Let's have a okay. look at some varied cho- mostly chocolate items. Alert gross food noises ahead. What are we starting with then? Alright, so we have four choices today. Uh, We have the Cadbury Crunchy Spider, which is literally just a milk chocolate spider with green uh, rice crisps in. Um, Yeah, that's pretty pathetic as far as they go, but hey, it's Cadbury, so it should be good. There is a Mr. Kipling... Toffee Terror Whirls, and looking at it, I have no idea what makes it terror. Uh, no idea either. These are a twist on Kip- Mr. Kipling's Viennese Whirls, or VNS Whirls, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, where it had, where it's got this kind of uh, soft kind of cake layers with uh, jam and a bit of cream inside of it, kind of buttermilk cream, I believe it is. Yes, buttercream. After that, we've also got a uh, McVitie's Jaffa Cakes bar. It's the freaky cake bar, and the thing that makes it freaky is that the sponge is now purple. Literally, that's it. It's exactly the same otherwise. 
Um, and finally, we've got these intriguing little treats. Uh, I had the label for them a moment ago, but I seem to have dropped it. Yeah, you ripped. Looking. Aha. Well done. Right, these are Sainsbury's own brand Popping Candy Cream Chocolate Eyeballs. Yeah, they're chocolate balls and they've got some kind of cream inside and a bit of pop- popping candy. And I'm dreading it because I fucking despise popping candy. Well, that'll be fun. Yes. Uh, so let's go with that first, I think. Okay. The popping candy ball, as it were. Um, but yeah, let's bottoms up. How? Um, I actually quite like that. The chocolate and the cream was all right. Yes. It kind could of have a... done without the popping candy. Yeah. The buttercream filling is pleasant. Yeah, the, the popping candy kind of just ruins it, I think. Chocolate's your bog-standard uh, supermarket chocolate. The thing I really can't stand about popping candy is the fact that when it's in your mouth and your mouth is closed, you just hear nothing but the fizzing kind of pops, and it feels really nasty and weird, and it gets into my head far too much, and I can't stand it. Yeah, that's fair. And I put the entire thing in my mouth, and that was stupid, but hey. Yeah, I, I only went with half. Let's have something that's going to be guaranteed to be much Hold on, pleasant. hold on. We haven't ranked it. No. <laughs> no out of ten. Fuck okay. That. So this one's the Jaffa Cake Bar thing. Yeah, it's, it's the, the freaky cake bar, and the thing that makes it freaky is the fact that the sponge is purple, and that's it. Yeah. Good job, McVitie's. You really phoned it in this year. That's literally just Jaffa Cake. Yeah. It's an extremely soft sponge. That's true. The um, It's the... I don't know. How much... Are Jaffa cakes normally fully encased? Um, Just on the top layer of Jaffa. And then the sponge underneath. Well, that'd be it. Yeah. The fact that the bars are fully encased means that the uh, sponge doesn't dry out so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to give that a solid nine. Okay. That's just a Jaffa cake bar. Yeah. It's nice. I, I, can, I can't in good conscience give it more than a seven. Yeah, that's fair. Like, normal Jaffa cakes are better. Let's be honest. Mm, possibly. Next up, we're going to go for the Toffee Terror Whirl. <laughs> My vibe was entirely the uh, the sponge. Well, there's no sponge. I think the toffee... I have no idea what's going on with the toffee. There seems to be a slight ripple of toffee on one side of mm. this. What this is is kind of... A shortcake. It's, yeah, it's two soft biscuits with a filling. And it has... Absolutely zero Halloween theming. Yeah. They're exactly the same as their normal Viennese whirls. The description here, shortcake whirls filled with toffee-flavoured buttercream, 18%, and toffee sauce, 9%. There's a bit too much of them. I can't taste the toffee in that at all. There's too much shortcake, that's yeah. the problem. All I taste is the shortcake. Now, it's worth noting, in the original Viennese whirls, you can totally taste a distinct difference between shortcake, buttercream, and jam. Well, that's because the principal flavour of toffee is sugar and uh, butter. Yeah. Because that's what it is. And that is pretty much what shortcake is. Yeah. So, there's, there's that. Mr. Copeland, what a lovely fellow. A proper all-rounder and a man with a belief that if something is worth doing, is worth doing exceedingly well indeed. So it is with Mr. Copeland's cakes. With a trick-or-treat, make them jump with his frightfully spooky Halloween bakes. No. They'll be slightly concerned about them being, you know, unpackaged. Yeah, that's true. These aren't good... Trick-or-treat treats. So why are they... They're nice, though. They're nice, but they're not good treats. No. They're not Halloween-themed. They have no weird colouring in them to make them more Halloween-themed. They've just said, okay, what flavour can we do? Toffee, 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 terror. Toffee terror. There we go. Uh, Finally, we've got the Cadbury chocolate spiders, which, in a disappointing uh, twist... The chocolate bit is just the spider's body. The legs and head are resigned to the packaging. Yeah, they're cardboard. Well done, lads. But hey, this is just Cadbury chocolate with Rice Krispies in, basically. I mean, it's not the worst Cadbury's chocolate I've had, but... It just tastes like Cadbury's chocolate. Yeah. The problem is is that the Rice Krispies aren't big enough. They, they don't, don't make add... a noticeable difference. Yeah, they don't add enough texture. Mm-hmm. And also, they are barely green. The packaging states that they are green crispies, ah, but okay. they are barely green. When you bite into it, they're sort of green, but, I mean, not very. Yeah, they're definitely yellow. Uh, for 50 pence, uh, you're better off just getting, like, spending the extra 50 pence more and getting a big bar of regular dairy milk. Yeah. That is, uh, I'm going to say a three. The, yeah. The lack of effort in them is pretty bad. So... Um, I guess what we're saying is eat slightly purple Jaffa cake. 
Bars. <laughs> Eat more Jaffas. That's always good. Well, that was an interesting voyage into shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Further I mean, we, we always have. We always it's, think that's a great idea and then come out with severe disappointment at the state of Halloween themed goods. It's a tradition. It's, it's our annual let's be disappointed in the state of Britain. You know special. what wasn't disappointing? What? 1984's Ghostbusters. No, was, it was a pretty good That's movie. a really good film. I, that film holds up. Yeah, I watched it pretty much in full, start to finish, for the first time, uh, having previously only really seen bits of it now and then. And, yeah, apart from, like, maybe one or two scenes, that film holds up pretty damn well. Yeah, I yeah. I like it. I mean, it's baffling, the inclusion of Ghost Billy Job scene, but... Yeah, let's let's not go and... I can only imagine that Dan Aykroyd just insisted on a ghost blowjob scene. I mean... Regardless, uh, what do you remember growing up of Ghostbusters as a franchise? Uh, As I said, I've seen bits and pieces of the movie. I was afraid of the Stay Pushed Marshmallow Man uh, as a kid. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Um, Don't gloss over that. You were afraid of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow (laughs) Man. (laughs) Now, to be fair, to be fair to my child self, I only saw him in his angry form. Right. And uh, his angry form and his angry face, and that scared me. And also, fears... that I was fucking scared of capital letters as a kid, man. Like, the, the, the... states of my fears as a kid were off the charts. I was a kid. That's kind of the key point here. Well, that's true. That's um, true. But yeah, going back to it, stay pushed, Mar- stay pushed, stay pushed, Marshmallow Man. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> stay puffed, Marshmallow Man is um, he's a big, he's a big friend. He's he's just happy to be there. Let's face it. Well, he's somewhere between Big Boy and the Michelin Man. He's advert a big. Bulky big Abbott. Boy and the, wait, who's the big boy here that you took the pitch of the big boy? Big boy. Um, It's... Oh, God. I can't even remember which chain. It might actually be a chain of diners called Big Boy. Oh, you're taking... Oh, like... Oh, like the... Um, time that the Simpsons... Yes. Twilight Zone and they had the various mascot Just Don't Look and that thing. That yes. was a fucking good episode. Yeah. I really don't like Treehouse of Horror, but that was a good uh, segment of Treehouse of there Horror. There are good Treehouse of Horror episodes, and then there are mediocre ones. 90% of them are mediocre. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Stuff like The Shinning was good. I liked The Shinning. <laughs> just the outright parodies. Yeah, it's just the outright parodies are good. I like those. The uh, Nightmare on Elm Street one was pretty good as well. But yeah, um... Growing up, Ghostbusters was still pretty big. Um, it had been only a few years since uh, Ghostbusters 2, so they were still in the public conscience. Um, I remember my friends having a possibly the largest toy set uh, I remember as a child is the Ghostbusters Firehouse. Mm. That playset is huge. I mean, that was kind of half the size of my friends at the time. <laughs> um, I didn't have any of these. I was never really a <laughs> child that had that much early on. And then by the time I, by the time my family could afford things, it was all computer stuff. So yeah, Ghostbusters, they're a bunch of professors and a guy they picked up off the street who fight ghosts. That's true. Well, no, they didn't even pick him off the street. He just kind of came in and like, I'm here about the job. Cool, yeah. you're hired. Yeah. And then that's it. He's now a main character. Yeah. And as a result, he does like absolutely nothing. And surprise, surprise, he's the only non-white character. Yeah. Good yeah. Job, lads. He got somewhat pared down uh, his even role more, in the script. Pared down in the cartoon. Oh, in the cartoon, he gets pared down even more. But yeah. uh, we'll get into that uh, with the. I will say that the. Um, it's interesting that, like, despite all the relative impact that Ghostbusters had, and also the fact that, like, the real Ghostbusters went on for so damn long, and then was I... followed up with Extreme Ghostbusters. <laughs> don't talk like... about Extreme Ghostbusters. But like. It, the real Ghostbusters went on for so long, and yet I've never actually seen it on TV or like advertised here. Like normally they repeat old stuff like that, 
But, like, I have rarely seen anything of this show until today, pretty much. I would assume it's down to the fact that Columbia still have all of the rights. Mm, yes. They were very sensible to keep all of the rights. Yes. Now it is time for the history section. Yes, we forgot to record the lead into this segment. This entire episode is a calamity zone. In 1984, the supernatural comedy film Ghostbusters shot to the top of the box office, twice as the second highest grossing film of the year, behind Beverly Hills Cop, Columbia was desperate to capitalise on the movie's cross-demographic success. With the industry of Saturday morning toy advertisement cartoons booming, it was obvious that the franchise could easily be exploited as a children's cartoon in order to sell a large range of articulated plastic figurines and their corresponding firehouse playset. There was, however, a problem. Whilst Columbia Pictures owned the Ghostbusters license, the title was the property of Filmation, who had made a 1975 live-action show titled Ghostbusters, which featured a pair of bumbling detectives investigating ghostly occurrences with a gorilla. Columbia licensed the name Ghostbusters for $500,000 and 1% of the movie's profits, but then claimed that the movie, which grossed over $540 million worldwide, had made no profit whatsoever. They also refused to grant Filmation the cartoon right, in apparent Retaliation, Filmation put out their own Ghostbusters cartoon based upon the original 1975 series in which the sons of the original cast teamed up to fight the evil ghost wizard Primeval alongside the same gorilla. Firing back, Deke titled their series The Real Ghostbusters. The Deke show featured the original four Ghostbusters battling with supernatural occurrences on a day-to-day -day basis. Whilst the original cast did not return for the cartoon, although Ernie Hudson did audition to reprise his role as Winston Zinnemore, the cast featured notable voice actors, including Maurice LaMarche, Frank Welker, and Lorenzo Music, alongside a soon-to-be-famous Arsenio Hall. The Onion Head Hotel ghost from the movie was turned into a sidekick for the quartet, being renamed Slimer and given a gluttonous, cowardly demeanour. Whilst the first two seasons were especially successful, with their focus on horror spectacle, the executives still felt that the show needed fixing in preparation for the release of Ghostbusters 2. According to head writer J. Michael Straczynski, Columbia hired a consultancy firm who, instead of doing any actual audience or focus testing, simply demanded changes based on what they themselves thought would make a cartoon successful. Horror would be played down in favour of slapstick antics, and any references to demons were nixed. The Ghostbusters secretary Janine was made to be more feminine and meek, and given round glasses on the basis that pointy ones could scare children. The central characters were given more specific roles, with Egon being the brain, Ray as the hands, Peter as the mouth, and Winston, the franchise's only non-white character, being reduced to the driver. Straczynski resigned. Later on, an increased focus on Slimer as a central character would lead to the show being retitled Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters, and Peter was no longer allowed to be mean to him. Ratings fell sharply. Columbia asked Straczynski to return for season 6, but he declined, instead offering to write a few episodes on a freelance basis. Regardless, the show never recovered from its slump and was cancelled after seven seasons. The real Ghostbusters franchise would later be revived in 1997 with the creation of Columbia's Extreme Ghostbusters, which lasted a mere one season. The real Ghostbusters is currently available, for the most part, on Netflix. Right then, so that's the real Ghostbusters. How about that for a bit of a change? I'm reading half of it now. Hurrah! It's not the first time. I hope you enjoyed my voices. It's actually like the second time really? <laughs> that I've done it. Blimey. Often. I've not done it very often. This is what happens when I constantly trip over words. Oh, no, I didn't do it because of that. I just, it was a lot to work with. Um, as you might have noticed, it's normally a lot shorter. But hey, I thought considering it's a hiatus and we've got so much to work well, with. Well, it's just an interesting talk. series, especially the whole thing about uh, Straczynski and uh, the... Um, I actually impressed myself by Executive reading that out. Executive I, I read that name out on my first try. J. Michael Straczynski. Yeah, I, did, I didn't even... I was looking at like Straz... <laughs> and I was like, I was going to give it a go. Straczynski! Hey! <laughs> just in my head. Just, hey! So, right, yes, uh, the real Ghostbusters. And um, for one thing, whilst it's the real Ghostbusters, it doesn't have the real theme tune. No, it has... It has a cover of the theme tune. Yeah, it has a cover of the theme tune it, that's kind of... It, it, it's, like it's, it's kind weird. of exactly the same. It's, it's a very Like they decent... didn't want to pay Ray Parker Jr. for the uh, original version. Well, you're wrong there, because Ray Parker Jr. does actually play bass on a couple of the songs, so... The question is, did they recreate the bass? 
What do you mean? Uh, oh, you mean actually in the soundtrack? Uh, yes, actually in the recording. Yeah, that's... in the oh, credits. Oh, fair enough. In that case, that's very weird because... Well, think about oh, it. It's, 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 the it's entire, because the original yeah. theme tune ha- is mostly lyric-based. 90% of it is taken up by Ray Parker doing a bit of a sing-song, whereas the real Ghostbusters theme doesn't really have those lyrics there. Regardless, despite them having apparently re-recorded the theme tune for some strange reason, the whole thing is... Uh, the soundtrack of the whole thing is pretty distinctly variations on that theme. Yeah, it's... it's Kind of, um, if you remember, like how Inspector Gadget, that was pretty much the entire soundtrack was comprised by a lot of callbacks to the same kind of uh, late motif of the theme tune. Yeah, the whole Mountain King. Yeah, so it's kind of being copied over in a sense. Um, I believe it is actually Shuki Levy who has done the soundtracking on this one. Ah, that well. wouldn't surprise me in the least. So Because that. it's a lot more competent than a lot of the ones we've been listening to lately. The real Ghostbusters soundtrack album, all songs performed by Tahiti, Tyron Perry and Tonya Townsend, which is interesting. And then the fan-made score album, musical fans of real Ghostbusters have to make due with just the Tahiti soundtrack album as we didn't get a score album of the series instrumental piece by Hans Saban and Shuki Levy. I'm assuming that the score, not the score, the original soundtrack album has the weird uh, 80s vocalist yes. kind of pops music I believe that songs. is what's going on here. And then the little instrumental bits here and there are by uh, Shuki Levy and Hans Saban. Although it is worth mentioning that those fan-made score albums do have the uh, opening and ending themes. So, who the fuck knows? Yeah. It's a weird one. So anyway, once you've got your Ghostbusters theme, which really does set up the uh, expectations of Ghostbusters, you get Ghostbusters. It, it's, for the most part, certainly in the earlier seasons. Yeah, the, we um, watched two episodes of the first season and then... Uh, two episodes of season six, because that's the last season available to us on Netflix. Was it six? I thought it was five. Oh, it might have been five. Oh, yes, it was five. Sorry. Season five, uh, when it became Slimer and the Ghostbusters. Yeah, this would be the height of the collapse. Yes. Um, so we watched the first two episodes of season one and season five, basically. Uh, and, yeah, the, the season one episodes were pretty much just kind of Ghostbusters kind of action... But yes. Combined with like the the kind of centered around a single uh, event of ghost catching that goes around for thirty minutes or so, and the first episode is pretty much a full explanation of why it's called the real Ghostbusters, <laughs> and that is three ghosts which got away from them started their own quote unquote ghost catching company wherein they, one of the ghosts pretends to be the haunting and then the two other ones catch them. Yep, the classic scam of a ghost pretending to catch a ghost. Ghost Saros. <laughs> ghost Saros. Yeah. Well, at least they were honest up front. Well, yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, this is pretty much... I would say exactly what I expected from an yeah. 80s cartoon an 80s cartoon based on Ghostbusters, I would say that it was slightly more impressive initially because of the amount of detail that's gone into the monster design. Yes, I would I would definitely agree there. They didn't half-arse this. They sure. really didn't half-arse the monster designs. Uh, we're talking kind of face-melting type imagery. Mm. Uh, there was a, obviously a lot of love paid to the claymation uh and practical effects of the the original movie and kind of way of translating the grotesque nature of that into animation. Mm. And it comes off as something quite impressive initially. And then, of course, they iron it out in case it scares children. And by the, uh, by the later episodes, we saw it was all slapstick antics. Like every other fucking cartoon ends up, slapstick antics. Yeah, the like we saw the first episode, which was about a uh, cartoon ferret somehow entering the real world and then turning everything else into a cartoon, even though there were already cartoons. But hey, let's not go into that. 
You see, that one worked because it had the horrifying idea of how lethal cartoons actually would be in real life. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it's no... um, I'm trying to remember what else has done that. Possibly the Ballad of uh, of Wile E. Coyote? I'm not sure. Looney Tunes back in action. Oh, God. (laughs) But that's (laughs) horrific for another reason. I watched that movie when it was in the theatres as a kid. Mediocre? Yes. I thought so as a child as well. That's never a good sign. <laughs> um, but uh, there was definitely more of a focus on haha hijinks than actually scary horror things. And of course, which because, was what the kids wanted. Like, yeah, I mean, what was it? It's like um, when R.L. Stein started making Goosebumps. He went up to the kids who loved his books and was going like, "Why? Why do you like?" being like why why do you like reading Ghostbumps? And they just went, Because we want to be scared. Yeah. Because we like being scared. Um I I can't remember who said it, but uh I can't even remember what they said. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. It's it's a there's an old quote. Uh, it's something about um fairy tales don't teach uh kids that there are no monsters. They teach kids that there are monsters, but that they can be killed. Mm. And that's ultimately what kids' horror is about. Mm. I've only read one single Goosebumps book in my entire life <laughs> because I was too afraid to uh, to really read any of the others. So, like, even as a kid, I was very much anti-horror. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. This is the thing that has stuck with me through the ages. I didn't really consider Goosebumps that much horror more weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it was the, the way that it all presented itself and a couple of the covers freaked me out a little bit as well. I, I, I found the covers for Goosebumps really goofy. Oh, looking back they're at them really now, they're goofy. goofy as hell, yeah. But, I mean, most Goosebumps things are. Yeah. But, I mean, like... Um, even the name Goosebumps. Oh, absolutely! Is silly as well. it's... it's this suitably silly, but it's also associated with a scary thing that it just works so well for it. But yeah, and that kind of plays in very much in the same way as the real Ghostbusters. By did. the way, just like while we're talking about Goosebumps so much, I'm just gonna say, um, podcast recommendation: the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show. <laughs> um, he did a. Uh, interview with R.L. Stein and it's one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever listened to. Go and check that out. It just explores the history behind Goosebumps and what R.L. Stein was doing before he did Goosebumps as well. Um, it's just such a good interview and R.L. Stein dude's a fucking legend. He's so nice. <laughs> he's just really funny and he's just such a nice dude. Um, but yeah, go and check that out. That's something worth listening to this Halloween. I'd say. But yeah, back to Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've got your same characters as with the uh, the movie. So mm. you've got... Um, you've got your Venkman. Yeah, you've got Venkman. Who's still an arsehole in this cartoon. Well, he is, to... in the, he is in the first couple of seasons, yeah. but by the time we get to the wow. end, all of the characters have ironed out, have had their characteristics ironed out to be nice. Yeah. Uh, to the point that the consultancy firm also suggested dropping Ray entirely because the, he was the nice one and everyone was nice. Oh dear. The consultancy firm did not have any idea what they were dealing with. <sighs> That's executive meddling for you. So it's interesting because, like, obviously, with the name change, Slimer has more of an active role in the show as well. Well, they also had mini, uh, kind of a mini cartoon that had Slimer in that mm. nobody liked. <laughs> I probably would have liked it to be honest. Slimer was my favourite character in this cartoon. I mean, the fact that they're not included on the Netflix uh, thing, yeah, as far as definitely... I can tell, we didn't. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're included with other ones, but I don't think they still syndicate it with the Slimer shorts. Mm. Probably for a good reason. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing, though, is like, as I say, Venkman is still a bit of an arse in the early seasons, but there's no banter between any of the characters. Yes, this which is, is one of the problems. Probably the biggest problem with the scripting. I don't know if it improved somewhere between seasons one and three, but 
there just wasn't enough of the interaction between the characters. Mm. Now, I said in the intro that uh, Ghostbusters essentially is a Marx Brothers movie because what the actual film was about wasn't directly uh, a bunch of people save the world from ghosts. What it is about is a group of friends who are comedians playing comic versions of themselves uh, start a small business. Right, yeah. And that's the focus. One of the major villains in that thing is a guy from the Environmental Protection Agency. And another one of the villains is a gigantic marshmallow man. Well, yeah. But, I mean, that's... that's <laughs> Who is uh... just so damn jived to be there. Yeah. <laughs> he's just jazzed. And he's just the special effect at the end of the film that they can point things at. Yeah. <laughs> and everything else is about the interaction between the characters rather than the actual fighting of ghosts although when they do fight ghosts everything is ridiculously over the top and destructive which which is funny but yeah Venkman they they managed to somewhat get his personality and also the voice he's voiced by Lorenzo Music yeah um <laughs> for the first few seasons he is voiced by Lorenzo Music uh, until um legend says that uh that Bill Murray complained that Bill Murray <laughs> Bill Murray. Bill Murray complained that uh, his cartoon counterpart sounded a bit too much like Garfield. Ah, Bill. Uh, which is somewhat <laughs> ironic. If only you knew. <laughs> Considering it gets him work now. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Oh boy. But he regrets I, saying that. But I think, I think Lorenzo Music was excellent casting. Yes. But uh, he was replaced after a a couple of seasons after the first few seasons uh, with uh, Dave Coulier who oh, yeah. is based, best known as being Joey Gladstone from Full House yeah it's a definitely an interesting pick there <laughs> I don't like the voice as much it doesn't suit Venkman no no it didn't fit the character at all no but then of course the writing didn't fit the character at all either not much fit about the show. Let's just be real honest. They had something that worked and then they killed it trying to meddle it. Yeah. If they had refined it into something uh, a bit stronger, just get the banter down right, get it a bit more settled, it would have been a brilliant show, but they instead strangled it to death over the course of four or five years. I mean, the thing is... It was, we watched the first two episodes of season one, and it was like, yeah. yeah, this is great. And then we skipped over to season four, was it? Season four, five, 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 five. Uh, we skipped to season five. We watched the first episode of that. All right, that was okay, I guess. And then when we got, like, maybe halfway into the second episode, we were like, oh, is this still going? Yeah. Because it just got so generic and boring that it didn't even feel like it was... It a was a Wild West thing. episode! Yeah. And... <sighs> I mean, it, it was a Wild gone. West episode that seemed like the exact same Wild West episode from Super Duper Sumos. This is that Wild West things go on long enough as it is. Well, it just doesn't mix. I mean, whilst uh, there are excellent sci-fi westerns mixing... Hi, Westworld. Mixing uh, Ghostbusters and an Old West town so that you could have the ghost of Black Bart. Just didn't feel right. I think taking Ghostbusters outside of Manhattan is a mistake to begin with. I'd say that was definitely one of the charming things about the original movie was the fact that everything was entirely localised within Manhattan yeah, and nowhere because, else. Because it's a a story about a, a group of friends starting a local business, a small business. It's, it is the, the fact that it has it. this tiny epicentre. I like the idea that like the entire rest of the world Free of ghosts. No ghosts yeah. at all. Manhattan. It's all happening in Manhattan. Can't get love and money for them. Just fuck off. So then you've got Ray, who is the nice one. Would you say the Ray is nice one? This is the part where I turn around and reveal that I don't really remember any of the other characters apart from Venkman and the only non-white character in the entire franchise. Well, there are t there are only two characters uh, other than that, and one of them is uh, based oh, on Harold Ramis. One of them is a scientist. I so it's the other that. guy. <laughs> One of them's the big science nerd. And then one of them is the nice guy. And that's Ray. Is that Ray? That's Dan Aykroyd's character. Everyone loves him. 
Oof. Oof. Adam Tish. It's Oof. that kind of deal tonight, folks. But yeah, he's the Dan Aykroyd character, so he... I mean, in the film, I don't think they quite play up the fact that they are all geniuses except Venkman. And, uh, and um... Oh, God, what's his name? Uh... <laughs> Uh, Winston. Winston. Uh, except for the, the fact that both Egon and Ray are both geniuses. Uh, because con- they're constantly throwing out uh, very technical terms throughout the film. But Ray is also an idiot. He's a big goofball. Yeah, he's the goofy nice. He's the heart of the team. Uh, and they play that up. He is definitely the one who has the highest, the the most connection with Slimer. And then Slimer gets the the comedy angle given to him instead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, he is. I will say that the, the, the cartoon definitely takes a more primary focus on Slimer once it's become Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Huh? Well, yeah, yeah, because. Ugh, because Slimer uh, was the the character the kids would like, and this this sort of executive meddling that gets us characters like Orko and um, uh, Scrappy Doo, Green Spud. No, no, it was uh, the the action figure was just called Green Ghost. Mm. I like Scrappy Doo. Um, Scrappy Doo's a good. Very character. few people do. He's an arsehole, and I'm, I I share the the. Gang sentiment of twatting away at first sight. I would argue that he ruined the dynamic, but that he's not the worst of the bolt-on characters mm. that Scooby Doo received, because there are a lot more of the them. The Doo family he is just is the most noticeable. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, Puppy power. Both of these characters, Slimer and uh, and Ray, are voiced by Frank Volker. So we are talking about are talking about Scooby Doo is entirely relevant because, of course, Frank Welker is most famously Fred in Scooby Doo, and the voice of any animal noise in any cartoon for the last forty years. Yeah, he does the lion voices in The Lion King, for example. Wasn't he in the, the last cartoon we watched? Um, quite likely. I believe he was, because we found out that that was literally his entire thing. Yeah, it was fun to find that out. Sabrina, that was it. Uh, quite possibly. Spooky Jar! He was the Spooky he, Jar. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. No, it, another guy was the Spooky Jar. There was another guy who does nothing but uh, weird, um, evil voices. That's the guy I'm thinking of. Okay, we found no. it! Frank Welker was... God, who did Frank Welker play? He's TV's Frank. I don't know. I can't Frank. even remember what I can't even remember what cartoons we've watched lately. They all meld into one sooner or later, and that's why we're taking a break. That's why they're becoming Frank. So then there's Egon Spengler, and Egon Spengler is the nerd. He he lists off all the tactical terms, and he's kind confused. of Spock-ish. He is uh, logical and unemotional. Surely more akin to Data, considering how much he knows. Um, that's the same as Spock. The, the whole logical and un- emotional things. Suppose yeah. it's both of them. <laughs> Star Trek. I think I kind of prefer Data's entire backstory more than a, like well journey and like slow progressing, gradual growth, as it were. Ah, uh, perhaps know. they're both excellent characters. Yeah. Um, they're good in their own rights. Either way, yeah, he in this cartoon he's voiced uh, throughout by Maurice Lamarche. Who should be a very uh, familiar known for name doing now. bloody everything? Uh, yeah, but most notable for being the brain from Pinky and the Brain. The brain, the brain, the brain, uh, the brain and the brain, the brain. yeah, yeah. that's and classic he, show and quite a lot of voices in Futurama. Yes, as I said, known for doing fucking everything. Yeah. Now Winston, who is the fourth Ghostbuster, everyone forgets. Because he was given fuck all to do. Yeah, he just literally does nothing in the film and he barely does anything in this cartoon as well. Uh, he's played by, in the first couple of series, fascinatingly, he is played by Arsenio Hall. Mm-hmm. Now, Arsenio Hall isn't really much of a familiar name to myself and probably my 
co-host here. I have never heard of him, so yeah. But Arsenio Hall uh, left the show two years later to become a major primetime TV uh, host. Okay. Uh, He was huge. I mean, he was almost um, Jay Leno-sized. Blimey, okay. Uh, Arsenio Hall, he he also, uh, in... The year after he left the show was in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Do you know that film? No. Uh, Coming to America is one where Eddie Murphy is some African prince and uh, goes to uh, New York to find a wife. It is a huge film, not quite as big as uh, Beverly Hills Cop, Hmm. but it is a very well-known Eddie Murphy film. and. Basically, Arsenio Hall became too famous for this show very quickly and was replaced by Buster Jones. Generic actor, voice actor number one. Uh, Yeah, Buster Jones did some stuff with Transformers and G.I. Joe. That's about it. He's got a great name. It's a shame that he never did anything with it. It's it's a good name, but it doesn't work. Uh, Finally... uh, did I say it was Janine, the uh, secretary? Janine is her name, yeah. Uh, Janine uh, is... She's she's actually a really good and very underused character. Mm. But then I've always liked... She's probably one of my favourite characters in the movie. Yeah. She's great. Uh, I've always liked the whole um, just really unwelcoming secretary yeah. <laughs> archetype. It's a fun archetype to have. Uh She's voiced by Laura Sommer, who is most notable, other than for this, for being the voice of Patamon in <laughs> <laughs> the Digimon series. Ah, what a classic. Uh, we're talking about uh, Adventure, season one. Uh, yeah, yeah. With Tai and Agumon. Yes. Because of the executive meddling and the trying to make her more feminine and, you know, strip of any character aspect that makes her work uh, she was eventually replaced with Kaf Susie who is most notable as the voice of Lil from Rugrats yeah I heard, I, I heard and I was like I recognise that <laughs> voice it was a very recognisable voice Focus. oh <laughs> now why, 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 why was she doing this before, before Rugrats is it <laughs> When was Rugrats? Uh, 90-something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Rugrats would be late ni- so mid to late 90s. Okay, never this mind. is long before it. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the entire cast, but uh, also of note is J. Michael Straczynski himself, who, as I uh, mentioned, well, as uh, Avery mentioned earlier, uh, left the project because of the executive meddling, and after which the whole thing went to part. He later on went to create uh, the cult sci-fi show Babylon 5. My me? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so, if you've heard the name J. Michael Straczynski, it might be from that, or from just him writing on a variety of other shows. Crikey, okay, wow. Successful guy. Yeah. <laughs> Good job to him. So, yeah... It's, I mean, it's hard to judge whether this one's stood up or not, because it both has and hasn't. I mean, the thing is, is, I think we might need to split it apart, maybe. Because the thing is, there's two distinct eras of this cartoon. And the initial era of this cartoon was pretty good. The later era, post-executive meddling, was shite. Right. We can't... I don't think we can really judge this thing as a whole because it's not as a whole, isn't it, in itself? But it sort of are... is because after the slimy honestly, era... Honestly, they... I would say the slimy era is pretty much like a distinctly different show. That's the problem. And yet it's not because it's this... Other than the fact that the showrunner left, it becomes it a... the same thing, Rather, yeah. it's the same thing. It's going to be very difficult to rank on that basis. I mean, do we rank it at its best or is it at its worst? What's well, half of 18? Nine. Let's just put it slap bang in the middle. <laughs> um, no, no. Because even... <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, this, this is like the most perfectly like middle show. It's an, it's an eight out of ten. I mean, we, we, we can't, we can't fucking like... 
We liked okay. the, sp- the, the first Yeah, we season. liked it when it was actual big monsters and... Ghostbusters era, and then the Slimer era came in and it scuppered it. Yeah. And I think the Slimer era is a distinctly different show from the first three seasons. It's... it's uh, it, yeah. During the Slimer era, it becomes a generic, shitty, deep cartoon that we've seen before. You could literally interchange the entire cast of characters with anyone different and it would be the exact same yeah it would not change yeah whereas you can't really do the same for the original era because then that would end up just being a ghostbusters knockoff yeah yeah the, and that's why i'm saying this got so a very distinct, good point which is why i'm saying we kind of can't judge it as a whole okay do we split it are we then splitting it i think we're gonna have to split this because okay otherwise it's not really going to work i mean we can put it down as the real ghostbusters and slimer and the real ghostbusters in the list yeah they are two distinct titles so um okay well would you consider the real ghostbusters better than sabrina the animated series no. No. Okay. I. The writing I would, is definitely weaker. Yeah. Sabrina was a lot more fun and goofy because that's kind of what Sabrina's entire shtick is. Um, but the art is pretty the attention impressive. The detail and the designs and like the monsters and stuff. Yeah. This, it's a project of love initially, and it's it's nice. I like that, but. It's not a thing that I would happily sit down and watch more than two episodes of at a time. Yeah, perhaps. It's a bit much otherwise. Well, how about then um, Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century? Mm. See, that's a difficult choice to begin Well, with. is it better than the Care Bears? Mm. <laughs> Could you stomach more episodes of it than the Care Bears? If you had to pay attention to each of them. Probably not. That's interesting. Okay. The thing is, is, is my reasoning there is because the Care Bears has a lot more attention-grabbing things going on. It, it's kind of... <laughs> not necessarily the for the good reasons. There's loads of but... colours everywhere and stuff like that. Um, but also, personally, I find it cute. So there's that. But um, also the slightly bizarre demonic kind of brainwashing elements that occasionally come into the thing <laughs> make the show a more interesting watch in general, I would say. Yeah, that's so slightly So I would probably off. be a bit glued to watching the Care Bears purely because I would be curious to see how this situation during the episode is going to be quote-unquote fixed. Yeah. <laughs> um... So I would probably actually watch more episodes of the Care Bears than I would watch the real Ghostbusters. What's below the Care Bears then? Uh, Inspector Gadget. Is it better than Gadget? That's a very difficult choice. I think below Gadget is Dinosaurs. I would happily watch more episodes of real Ghostbusters than I would of Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs was a slog. Well, here's the thing. I was considering that at its worst, it was slightly better than Dinosaurs. Oof. All right. It was pretty much interchangeable with dinosaurs, but with less annoying char- side characters. I'm going to say Slimer is more in the realm of possibly just below Hulk Hogan's Rock Oof. Okay. Because it it was nothing. It was nothing. It was just a generic deep show that had no bearing whatsoever. Uh, that's Th- that true. Was, the Slimer era is just the, look, we still have the license for this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to use it and make loads of moolah so I'm going to say the Slimer era goes in at number 13 hold on that'll be number 14 won't it no 13 yes but it'll be number 14 once we add another one above okay, it which well, is the standard get you Mr. Smartass you know <laughs> I think I would argue that at it's best it's slightly better than Gadget I think my problem with this show is that it barely kind of deviates from the kind of stock pattern of what happened in the movie. And the fact that there's no real kind of banter between anyone, or there's not really kind of much going on other than, oh no, a ghost haunting. Oh, we've got to deal with it, gang. Come on, let's go. And then they somehow stretch that out for 30 minutes. 
I think that's my main problem with it. it okay, that's it doesn't true. Really kind of there are a lot more elements in Gadget, aren't there? Yeah. Because it's Get Smart. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Gadget is just a spy versus spy cartoon gone horribly wrong, really. It's, it's literally just Get Smart. <laughs> it's Get Smart, but with wacky antics. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's okay. That's kind of why I'm saying... That's kind of why I'm a bit on the edge about calling it better than Gadget. Cause yeah, it's pretty, but it's not well Gadget written. Gadget is a lot of fun. Yeah, go on then. You've sold me. Just below Gadget then? Uh, below Gadget, above Dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, alright then. Blimey. Because we've split it apart between the real Ghostbusters and Slammer and the real Ghostbusters, uh, we have two entries for this one. <laughs> because they are so distinct cartoons. Uh, the real Ghostbusters, i.e. the original like three or four seasons, goes in at number nine, just underneath Inspector Gadget and just above Dinosaurs. And Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters is slotted in at number fourteen, just underneath Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, and just above Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats. Okay. <laughs> Boy, I get the feeling that we're going to make a lot of people angry with that rating. Uh, but, it's uh, controversial, but I, I, I think it's well argued. Yeah. I think, like, when it comes down to it, I'm not very good at criticising things. <laughs> but by God, I can make a good argument against something. <laughs> <laughs> well then, uh, I believe that's it for our uh, first season of... Yeah. Blimey. Season one of Deep Geeks is in the can. Hooray! We hope you've enjoyed this um, fun adventure and romp into this trash heap. And, um... Oh, jeez. <laughs> We'll be back at some point in December, most likely near the Christmas kind of period, to oh, do yes. a lovely holiday special. Yeah. We'll be gazing our eyes at some lovely Christmassy events. Yes, I'm sure we'll have... some cartoons. I fucked up my word in there, but it's okay, shush. I'm sure we'll have something for you. Whether yeah, or not whether or not it's the most obvious one, I've no idea, but I'm sure whatever it will be, it will be a blast. We're... <laughs> We're still thinking, or possibly not a blast. We're still thinking it through, right? We're, we're figuring stuff out. Um, but sit tight. But yeah, we'll see you in about late December for the Christmas special. And then about kind of mid-January, shall we say, for season two of Deep Geeks and also Mostly Cobbles Extend. So yes, keep an eye on the Twitter. That's at Mostly Cobbles. And also our website, MostlyCobbles.com. That is MostlyCobbles.com. For more information and updates and all of that lovely business. So. <laughs>